We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are recording this on uh, Sunday. Feels like Sunday morning. It is not Sunday morning. It is, in fact, Sunday early afternoon um, ahead of some some big football games, uh, none of which involve any of our teams, but that's fine. We will still watch and enjoy to see who gets to compete in the Super Bowl as we discuss the Super Bowl of New York basketball, which took place last night. Not really, but whatever. We'll, we'll talk about it anyway. And the week that was uh, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, John. You know, this week I was anticipating the worst and uh, it didn't work out that way, which is really great for me because I'm really happy about that. So I'm good. How are you? I'm OK. Um, I'm OK about. An hour ago, I rewatched um, all of the Brooklyn threes from last night. I don't know why I decided to do that. That was I don't a poor either. decision by me. Yeah. <laughs> why would you it do actually, that to yourself? In truth, it actually made me feel a little bit better because it it um, it confirmed my suspicions about where the where a lot of those threes came from. But we, we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, yeah, I'm good. These these shows are always weird to do when. They have either what was a bad week that ended well or like this, a good week that ended poorly because it's always difficult to strike the right tone um, because, you know, as listeners know by now, I would hope the goal of these weekly podcasts is to do a commensurate weekly wrap up of the team and where they are and how they're doing and how they're faring and big picture and the whole thing. And um I think this was a good week, right? This was a good week, Jeremy. It has to be yeah. just based on the competition. A lot of these were litmus tests for how the Knicks would hold up, especially without Mitchell Robinson. It, I would have been happy with one win. And I agreed with you last week where you were saying, I think the Knicks are going to win at least one game or they'll win one. And I thought, yeah, they will. I just didn't think they'd win two. And when you think about how, yes, they are a better road team than they are a home team. With that said, you know, the Cavs were pretty much fully healthy and came to Madison square garden for the second time this year. And for the second time they walked away with a loss and then the Knicks go in to Boston. They're playing the best team in the NBA record wise. They've been certainly over the last, you know, maybe 25 games or so they have not been the best team, but they've been certainly up there and it, it looked like they were dead in the water right away. And they came back and found a way to hang on and win. And even coming back in overtime too. And then you have the Nets game, which was frustrating. It was, I'll say this, it was one of the first fake comebacks that I've seen in a while. Wouldn't you agree? There haven't been a lot of fake comebacks. There've been some blown leads for sure, but it's, it feels rare this year to see a patented Knicks fake comeback, right? Last fake comeback. That was like a legit fake comeback. Um, that would no, because it's tough because they've had like the Bucks game in early like uh, three weeks ago. That wasn't a fake comeback because they had 17 point lead. They then went down. I forget by how many they fell down in the fourth quarter, but they that had a fake comeback vibe to it because it wasn't 
like they were battling, but at the same time, watching that game as Nick fans, we were like, they're not going to win this game. And they did not win the game, but it wasn't, but it wasn't a big comeback. Right, yeah. right. So, I, you know, I'm curious. I'll look through the list of games Andrew's, to see if there was one as well. Andrew's but, putting a suggestion in the chat here. Opening night. Opening night was... Um, but that went to overtime. That's the thing. Like, yeah, that was you overtime. Can't, like, Just they made it close. Uh, get out of here, Andrew. And then the, fr- <laughs> the fr- he's first right Bucks game, for sure. <laughs> But I'm trying to think if there's anything before no, the then. first Bucks game was right. The first Bucks game was a legit. Get the game. hell out of here, Andrew. Get the hell out of here. That's what I thought. So it just it's been a while. And that's yeah. really nice for uh, considering how last year was blown. I mean, horseshoes and hand grenades, blown leads and fake comebacks. And this year it feels like it's just one of them. And the first one hasn't happened as much as it did last year. And the second one just hasn't really happened much. So yeah. progress. I'll take it. Yeah, it's progress. And like. And we should say, you know, I feel like the as fake comebacks as we've come to know them in Nick's land are such that you you never get to the moment where it's like if this thing happens or if this thing doesn't happen, then it's then it's like a tie game or like the Knicks could take the lead. We actually had a couple of those moments in fairness against the Nets. It was the the Curry three that went down um, after they had cut it to three and if that three doesn't go down, then they have the ball with a chance to tie with a little under, like it would have been about two and a half minutes left. And that was a really good defensive possession too. just swung, swung, swung. And he, he had a tough shot with quickly running at him. And then the Grimes three with uh, under two minutes to go, which I guess would have cut it to one. Um, great look, you know, good, good pass by Julius Randall. Just, you know, not, not Grimes night from the field. So like, even as far as fake comebacks go, it was like, it was the best version of a fake comeback. If you ignored the reason why they went down a lot to begin with, which is what I was getting at, um, we can talk about that now. We go in reverse order and then kind of touch briefly on the Boston and, and Cleveland games. Um, are you are you distressed at all with how they came out defensively? Um, and if so, is your distress lie in any one particular place or with any one particular player? How, how are you feeling about how they came out last night? It was a little flat to begin with. I thought they started to catch up, but then they let go of the rope later on in the first half. It would have liked if they had gotten it to 10. I think that yep. would have been manageable, but then it went the opposite direction. It kind of, it, it felt like it was still within reach, but a lot further. And uh, it obviously didn't work out after that. I think a lot of it was just, you had to tip your cap at the end of the day. You know, I know the nets are missing two of their max stars. Eh. They're, they're, hey, I didn't say that they're the two best players. <laughs> you, you I said two it. max stars. You One of them, well. they missed their best player and a max player. I was, is, yeah, they, they were missing accurate. two of their max players. Can we? Yeah, that's... That, yes, okay. Ma- yes, okay. Um, Thank you. Sure. <laughs> but it's accurate. No, I agree. Magic. So... Uh, but it just it was incredible. I mean, at one point there were what seventeen of thirty three, eighteen of thirty three from from deep. I mean, they um, finished the game twenty two of forty. Uh, yeah, it's which is ridiculous. Yeah, and you know you have Kyrie Irving who leads the NBA in fourth quarter points, and he just went off. I mean, when he hit that top of the key three yeah. to really put the nail in the coffin, it's just like that's he's having a night. That's just, or he's having an evening, whatever it is. Like, that's just how he rolls, you know? And I'd love to hear your thoughts as you painfully, but um, appreciatively (laughs) rewatch these three point, uh, three point barrage where it like the Knicks dominated in the paint in that game. Yeah, they did. But the Nets just capitalized from where they needed to. Yeah. And, and I, we should say that like, Again, we, we we tend to harp on the negative uh, as Nick fans. I, I'd like to think we attempt to make it a little bit more balanced conversation on this show. We sometimes succeed, maybe sometimes don't. We should say that the Nets all year long have been, um, or at least not all year long, since the beginning of the year, have been a very good defensive team. They're just on the outside of the top 10 in defensive rating right now. Like That's a team that knows how to defend. And the Knicks went in there in the second half and put up, I think, the what, 66, 67 points or something like that in the second half on Brooklyn. Um, so, like, good job by the Knicks fighting back. Like, they they figured out how to hit the seams of, of the Nets defense and, and do all those sorts of things. Good job by them. They did defend eventually. As far as the... As far as the three-point defense, I feel like we've had so many different conversations. Like, is it this 
scheme or is it like certain players just not, you know, being keyed in? Um, last night it was just there was a there was a lack of they weren't keyed in. You know, it's like they weren't keyed in. They weren't they didn't come out defensively like a desperate team. And I don't want to as my daughter agrees with me in the background. Um I don't want to put the blame on any one player, but going back and rewatching all 22 makes, I would say about 10 of them were ones you, you just tip your cap. You know, the Kyrie ones at the end, the Seth Curry ones at the end. There were a couple other ones throughout the game. Like Cam Thomas put up one as the shot clock was expiring over Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's just not a very large man. Good contest went in. You know, it happens. There were a few others like that. So I'd say about 10. And then there were about a dozen where you're like, yeah, that's not going to get it done. And then out of those dozen, there were about half that were on the worst side. And um, those were pretty much exclusively under the purview of one Julius Randall. Yeah. And that's the part that leaves the the little bit of an icky taste in my mouth because it was some flashbacks to last year when it's like, man, I really don't want to put it all on this guy. But when you go back and you watch the threes that go in and it's like, oh, look who's hanging out in the paint or look who's like just not getting around a screen or look who's like kind of getting lost in transition. And it wasn't all him. There were a couple of RJ um, threes on from a guy that RJ was guarding where he was kind of lackadaisical in transition. Um, you know, Deuce helping too far off Kyrie on a on one made three. Obi had a couple of not so great moments, including one where he just inexplic- inexplicably went under a Watanabe or a screen where Watanabe was his man. And then it was like he was wide. So it's like, I don't want to put it all on Julius. But that was the part that was a little upsetting, especially since I've been trying to lead the Julius Randle All Star charge for the last uh, for the last month and change, but yeah, it's just a reminder. Like, I, I it's it's never there's always another side to the coin. Like we've been we've been making the Randle All Star case, and then he comes out like this, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right, he's capable of this too. I'm not making too much out of it right now, but I did. I feel like it's on a on an overall night where. A lot of the the vibes just co- coming off of that game were just very bad. I do feel like it's at least worth pointing out that, like, you know what? On the whole, team didn't play that bad, and it's amazing what when you have those six or seven, you know, possessions where it's like, man, that's not three point defense. Like, it could really skew the overall picture. And would it have would it have uh, come down to the end with Kyrie making those big shots, or might the Knicks have have you know not? won the game before he got a chance to do that. That's the only thing I wanted to add in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is the Nets are just fantastic at ball movement. Like so, their, their offense is phenomenal, even without Kevin Durant. And yeah, like, was was Joe Harris wide open in the corner as the Knicks were scrambling? Yes, but the way that the ball flew around the court and landed in Joe Harris's hands to hit that corner three, it was just beautiful to watch. Like, Yes, there are ways to close out and there are better ways to maybe scheme to avoid a corner three from Joe Harris from happening. Sure. It's also just really impressive how they're able to exploit it and the way that they're able to find other players, especially when they're open. You know, like it's Royce O'Neal above the break. He's he's great from there. Maybe don't leave him open multiple times in the first quarter as well. Don't sag 10 feet uh, off. <laughs> yeah, it, it could wouldn't hurt. But, uh, you know, Utah Watanabe hit some great threes and. I don't want to make it seem like, yeah, the Nets were just on one that night and that's that. That, that shouldn't be the case. But we they have were to give credit, but we have to give credit to <laughs> yeah. to them. It's not just yeah. that the Knicks were poor defensively. Uh, and yeah, Obi really struggled last night, which was unfortunate, but you live and you learn. Uh, hopefully you adapt for the next time you play the Nets. Probably will have Kevin Durant, but then uh, that's a new challenge in and of itself. So... Yeah, and I wonder how much. Um, and the only, uh, as I was saying that, I caught myself. I was going to say, you wonder how much there, it was a little bit of a letdown effect after two really strong wins. Uh, the what you could argue was a must-win game against Cleveland in retrospect, um, and then the Boston game, which was on national TV. But then I caught myself because I'm like, well, wait a minute, this was a national TV game, you know? Or it's like. It was just very strange. That's all. I'm coming away from this, the Brooklyn game being like, you know what? It was a strange game. I don't want to put any more into it than that. And let's just move on. And hopefully they come out with um, a very uh, some very good performances in what is a very big week of basketball games uh, played in their arena. We'll get to that later, though. Is there anything else that needs to be said about 
the rest of the week, I mean, it was the two best wins of the year against Cleveland. Um, you know, the Hartenstein block that maybe was a foul, according to the last two minutes report. We don't have to talk about that at the end of the game. And then, uh, yeah, the Boston game, which was like, oh my God, talk about a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I, I can't, I haven't got a chance to talk to you about the Boston game. Did you come away from that? Was the fact that they almost lost it in the fourth quarter and beginning of overtime? Did that bother you a lot, a little, somewhere in between? It's hard not to. You know, it's the same movie being watched, but this time it was a different ending because the Knicks actually won that game. And we could talk about how that was a factor, the letdown. I mean, as you wrote in the newsletter, first five minutes of the game, all Boston. And then, what, the next 30 plus, all Knicks. It's a 30 and, point turnaround almost. Right. And it's wild. Just incredible stuff. And then, of course, take the foot off the brake and or off the gas. And uh, yes, but listen, I mean, I, whatever it is, like we talk about the Knicks missing free throws and clutch moments. It's nice when it happens to the other team. And I to me anytime I love that, that gif of, of Julius looking at Jalen Brown, oh. just like, yep. Yep. It's like, I know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and uh, it, so it was great. So I, listen, you, you take the wins as they come, especially against this type of a team. We can talk about where they need to improve, but we can also say that, the Celtics have an MVP candidate. He's not going to win MVP, but he's a candidate. He's an all-star starter, although Embiid should have been in there some, somewhere. Someone was going to get their feelings hurt. I just, I didn't think it should have been Embiid, but... Quick aside. Yeah. Do, do you think Embiid could win MVP still? I think that it was a masterful performance that he had against the Nuggets. Statement Incredible. win. I think that there's a lot of stock being put into this one game, and I don't mean that to take away from what he's doing. But here's the thing. I mean, if they're if they're a top four team, which traditionally is where the MVP candidate, their team is a top four. His argument's better. The difference is that I feel like if you're not voting for Jokic based on how he's playing, it's purely because of voter fatigue. He's just been that good this year. And Embiid has been incredible, too. But Jokic has just he's had a level to his game on top of an MVP performance and he should have been the, and was the MVP last year. So Embiid's trying like hell and I appreciate it as a fan, but I still, I, I think he's, he needs to have more games like that where he can't just rise up against Jokic, but maybe this all-star snub will fuel him to the MVP. So uh, there's still time for him to rewrite that. It'll be wild though. If he wins MVP, despite not being an all-star starter, not starting the all-star game, but that- yeah, with, with that Celtics game, you know, we could talk about, as I said, the Knicks losing the lead. I mean, they they did they, well. They, they were behind, right? In regulation, yeah. They, they had they was they were because yeah, they were. I mean, they right, were yeah. down by fifteen or in the first. Well, no, quarter, I meant in the then, fourth quarter when they. I, I'm trying to remember if they gave up the lead in the fourth quarter, but regardless, they the, were down in the fourth quarter. I forget if they actually gave up the lead, but they definitely gave it up at the beginning of overtime. We remember they that. did. They're down by five. They're down by five, and the fact that they came back from that, I think, is. Fantastic. Um, they showed resilience to the point where we could talk about, again, I know I keep saying it, we could talk about the, the blown lead, but we can also talk about the fact that they also came back <laughs> and they won that game, which was really important. And, um, and I, like, if we want to talk about the Cavs game as well, yeah, it was nervous. As, I was nervous as hell. I thought, all right, Donovan Mitchell's going to get the ball. Uh, it's going to find a way to tie it. He'll draw the foul. Lo and behold, he did not. And I think it's really important that they won this game as well because I don't know if it will necessarily come to this, but securing at least a portion of a split series if it comes down to head-to-head record, that's huge. I don't think it'll be seeding. Right, because I think Cleveland's still going to finish ahead of the Knicks, but the point being that if you find a way where Cleveland's had trouble staying completely healthy this year, if the Knicks can find another gear, if there's an off season or not off season, if there's a trade deadline acquisition they can make that can help them in any way. If the, the gap isn't really that far in terms of regular season wins. So if you find a way, if you're the Knicks to tie with them and you get the tiebreaker, that's important. Again, do I think that's going to happen? Maybe not, but that's also not necessarily the point in this case. Winning the tiebreaker is just a nice thing to do against a team that people are saying is a contender that I don't see as a contender. I see them as a very good team this year. I, I agree. 
I don't see them as necessarily getting out of the first round. And if they do, then um, I, I tip my cap to them because that would be really impressive. But they're if still they a better team. Out, if they get out of, unless they're the one or the two seed. No, or the three. No, if they're the one or the two or the three seed, that's different. If they're the four or the five Cleveland, um, I guess, or the sixth, and they get out of the first round, then some team is going to have um, like Armageddon level stress moments in, in this offseason because one of one of the teams that like need to get out of the first round if not need to get out need to get to the conference finals will, will not have done so um yeah i look you said what needed to be said about the boston cleveland games they were great wins at the end of the day style points matter to some extent but like get the wins and if you get two wins in a row against those teams you did a great job last thing i'll, I'll say and i'll now you know what I'll save this for when we do uh, predictions because I I feel like we're always talking about moving goalposts here and like we we said like after Mitch went down like I I have been saying that you got to get a certain number of wins before the uh, the All Star break and we'll revisit whether we still think that 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 is true. Okay, for over thirty years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100. Or visit Weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. He's not a rookie, Jeremy, but I've I've how many games has it been now? One, two, three, four, five games without Mitchell Robinson. Um the not a rookie I'm referring to is Jericho Sims. He's not a rookie. He's a second year player. But, and I'm happy, by the way. I'm happy he's been getting the starts. Are you, are you happy he's been getting the starts? I am. Yes. Okay. Hardenstein, all of a sudden, may have turned around his season, uh, has, had, has struggled to get three nice games in a row. But uh, Mitchell Robinson is going to be out for, it seems like if you listen to the the owner of the New York Knicks, at least what he said on uh, at least one show that he was on this week, he's going to be out for basically he said he's going to be out till after the All-Star break. That's that's what he said. He said four weeks, you know, which takes us to the All-Star break. We'll see. Based on these five games, um, I have not changed my stance that they this team needs Mitchell Robinson desperately. And Jericho Sims has done some nice things. He has shown some growth within games. I thought he got better over the course of the Boston game in particular, for for example. Um, but, you know, Mitch with his thumb surgery, they're just not the same team really at either end because like the offensive rebounding too, it's it's just not there to say nothing of the defense. I, I Maybe now is when I'll bring up the goalpost thing, which is why I think still sitting here today, even with wins over Boston and Cleveland, I'm still like, if you can get three wins in these next six games, or next, sorry, next nine games, three wins in these next nine games, get to the break at 500. That's three and six. Might not seem like I'm asking for a lot. I, I, I just really have real fears about how this team could defend without Mitch. Fair. And I think the other thing to mention is Mitch is phenomenal at boxing, boxing out. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So That's a. That's the most important part. Yeah, like it's it's the offensive rebounding for sure. But if the boxing out component, I think I think the way that the Knicks operate with their bigs and uh, Andrew, I'd be very curious if you don't mind checking. I believe last time I saw all three Knicks centers were top three in box outs per game. Um, it could be wrong, but it's the sort of thing where it's like that shows how even still with Mitch, if even if that's not accurate, Mitch being as good as he is with his boxing out is so vital to this team's success, especially as other teams crash the glass. So yes, it's super important for him to come back really happy with the production that Jericho Sims provided, especially on the boards. But I know this was a, it was an MSG uh, trivia question, but really the fact that 
Sims keeps attempting at least one shot per game and his field goal percentage the last five games is perfect again it's a small sample size i completely hear that it's nice it's nice. but it's it's nice. it's nice to know that okay if you're getting the ball to jericho sims he's he's gonna make it uh the vast majority of the time he's gonna make it and uh he's 81 percent free uh field goal percent 81% from uh, from floor is pretty it's just fun. I like Sims. I like Sims. I like Sims as a long-term development project. I love where he's going to be. I think he's going to be a valuable rotation player for years to come. Right now for them, like they uh, lo and behold they fall into 17th in defense. Uh, on, it's the first time they've been out of the top 15 in the in the league-wide defensive rating rankings in, in a month and a half. I went back and checked because it took them like a week to go from 26th to somewhere in the top 15 after that Dallas disaster because they they strung together a bunch of really good performances. Um, and which was at the center of a lot of that. They, I'm so happy you brought up the boxing out. It's not only does he, he box out really well, he's gotten so strong. And I think we don't, maybe I'm not cognizant of how strong he's gotten, but when you compare it to where he was, when people complained about his defensive rebounding issues as a rookie and a second year player, he's, that's where the added weight comes in. And like so many of these balls that just get tipped out by you know a member of the offense after a missed shot like those those tips don't happen when Mitch is in there he he comes down with those those um caroms as it were so yeah and thank you as always to Andrew for being our fact person so Mitch is first that is correct uh Hart is actually fifth not second and for Sims for some reason I'm just off he's he's in the top 25 but he's lower but even still if we're looking at three centers the Knicks employ who can all be serviceable who are all within the top 25, the one of them being, or two of them being in the top five for boxing out, that is a crucial piece to how this team can do. And I think, listen, I, I still feel that the Knicks are misusing Isaiah Hardenstein on the offensive end. It's a shame that's the case last Right. Like generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, there was the one turnover that I'm sure Tibbs is like, that's why we do not, do anything with you, Isaiah. That's why I use you like you're a rim runner. Wait, against Boston? Oh, it was the Boston turnover. Right. It yeah, was with, the Boston. With Derek yeah, White was... or Brogdon who, who recovered it. And it's like, yes. Yes. So sometimes he can get a little, uh, but, he was, but turnovers are always an issue with him when yeah. he had the ball. But even still, that is a really important thing. And I know that for me, there is a world still where like, if you can get something good for Hartenstein, consider it. But if he's playing like this and you're the Knicks and you have three, three centers who can fill in one who's really great at his position. And mind you, when I saw the miles Turner contract being 30 plus million dollars for this year, and then dropping down to like 21 and then $20 million, I don't hate it for him in the sense of he's like paces probably aren't going to trade him. They could, but they're probably not going to trade him this year anyway. And the next two years or whatever, it's probably market value. But even still, when you look at Mitchell Robinson and he's on, a four-year, $60 million deal with descending salary each year. It just uh, fills my heart. It just shows that <laughs> like, I know it's, we're talking about one player getting a second contract and one player getting his third, but even still just, no, I don't, it, it's fantastic to see no, that. No, Give yourself a pat on the back. You, you, you took some, you took some slings and arrows uh, defending that contract. Uh, the oh, contract. Well, but even still, I thought it was a, a slight overpay and that was wrong. Right. Like I, I said, I'd pay like 55 million. But yes, you were consistent in defending it. And it, there were times where that was not the easiest stance to take. And I think you were consistent with it. And you look like a fucking genius right now because wow. it's a it's a it's not a great contract. It's not a great contract. Like and especially you watch Nick Claxton last night, a, a kid who came into the league after Mitch, and he's developed as an offensive player, could actually do some things now with the ball. Like Mitch hasn't done that, and that's always going to be part of Mitch. But for what he does do, it's, I mean, it's it's tough to complain, and they and they need him. Um, I'll tell you this though: the thing about the Claxton deal is it's only two years. So while I, I'm with you in terms of you mean that's Turner, a, Turner. Oh, no, 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 with Claxton. Oh, with Claxton, yeah. Two-year, $18 million. Yes, 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 so, like, yes. that is a... I think that the the Nets obviously get more bang for their buck out of Claxton, but they're going to have to pay him again in two years. Well, someone will. Or, or someone, right. And then uh, I'd say the Robert Williams deal is a better deal than the Mitch contract, but Williams has also had more nagging injuries, especially related from the knee, so that's a concern to have. Regardless, really happy with... Mitch, his absence is clearly shown. It's nice that the Knicks can mask some of the issues that not having him 
um, provide, but it's great to see that he'll be back according to James Dolan after the all-star break and rested and battle tested and they can get ready to go. Um, before we finish uh, the Wise and Rose Move personal injury report, I want to ask you very, very quickly because you, I know you've thought a lot about the prospect of Cam Reddish to the Bucks. I know you've talked about this, you know, before, but like, if we're, if we're, I'm going to bring this back to Mitch in a second, give, hear me out. If we kind of break down the possible Cam trades, because I think he's obviously the most likely trade candidate at this point. It's just a matter of where, and more importantly like how they use him. So is it the deal where they're just trying to get the best draft assets they can in the form of second round picks in all likelihood, or are they trying to use him potentially with some, something else uh, sending out from New York to get a, a better player. And we don't have to go through the players today. We have time to talk about that in the coming weeks. I wonder if they're, if they look at the potential to do a Bucks deal in which Serge Ibaka is the, and he can't be just him as you've talked about. It would have to be additional salary, but Serge coming back, maybe with George Hill again, you could throw him in the same conversation. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Ostensibly, those guys are salary filler, right? That the Bucks just like for whatever reason the Bucks are interested in Cam Reddish. They want Cam Reddish to have to send money back. Ibaka Hill, those are the easiest contracts for them to send back and whether the Knicks send Sphere or Wave Sphere or whatever, neither here nor there. I wonder if the Knicks look at that like, okay, the Bucks are looking at those two guys as salary filler. And I want to focus more on Ibaka, but like even you could say, I guess with Hill, maybe there's a world where we could use these guys for 10 minutes a game. And does that potentially influence their not their decision making on Hartenstein, but like if someone's knocking on the door for Hardenstein, that's why I'm wondering, are they are they thinking in unison with the possible cam trade and maybe something else out there? I don't get the sense that they're itching to make a Hardenstein trade. That's but I wanted to talk it out. I agree. I think it's really just if the right deal came about and I don't know quite what the right deal is because Tibbs, as we've talked about, loves having three centers who are rim protectors at his disposal and not just rim protectors, but rim protectors who are good and like Hardenstein's clearly struggled, but when he has moments like that, it's just like, that's easier. It's easier to get something like that from him than it is from someone like Serge Ibaka. That's probably more like drawing blood from a stone. He like, he doesn't fit the same kind of mold that Tibbs loves in the center. He's just a very different player. And I know a lot of fans, uh, well, Ibaka, sorry, Ibaka is very, is very different from the centers that the Knicks have brought in. You know, like he's not the offensive rebounding type he's not the one who's going to take a lot of his shots close to the rim he's going to space the floor a little bit more than Knicks probably are comfortable with I see Ibaka more as hey we're going to take you on we're either going to try to find a home for you or we're going to release you and mind you the the fascinating thing about Ibaka is that he still has no trade clause does he really he does because the fact that he agreed to, yeah, weirdly enough, he can I completely didn't realize to go. So I think the agreement would have to be, hey, let's wait, let's wait and do this. But I think that he just doesn't feel like the seamless fit. And I've been thinking a lot about this. And I know there are a number of moves the Knicks could make one way or the other. And I figure we might as well take a brief moment to talk about this because this could all change in a matter of hours, days, we, you know, not even weeks, but anything could happen between the time we record this and the next time. So might as well just say it. I'm of the mindset that the only move the Knicks are going to make is going to be moving Cam Reddish. I don't think they do anything else that's drastic. I would argue that it would make sense if they feel that they're going to move Obi this summer to move him now. I don't think they will. The way that I see it as well is, you know, I see all these trades online that fans have. And I love it because it's great to see how people are thinking. And one of the things that often gets lost when trades occur is the luxury tax, right? The number is, um, it's like 150 million or so, 150.3 almost. And they don't want to go into the luxury taxes we've talked about. But the issue here is how can they find a way to basically not become a luxury tax team and start a clock they don't need to start? John, I think there's one move that that has been reported that makes sense. 
wouldn't love it, but I could see it fitting and I'll explain why. Would you like to take a guess as to what I think it's going to be? For Cam? Yeah. What you guess it's going to be. It's not what I want, but what I would just imagine it might be. What, the Grayson Allen one? No, especially with the Scotto report that it wasn't like Scotto. It wasn't Grayson Allen for Cam Reddish. It was more just like if the Knicks want Grayson Allen, they'd have to give up more. I don't know if they're willing to do that quite that way. I don't think it's Grayson Allen. What do you think it is? I think it could be Reggie Bullock. Oh, that. Okay. Which is, listen, it's not ground or earth shattering, right? Like it's, it's, no, it's but fine. Can I, can I, uh, cap myself here? Okay. Um, that did not come out right, but that's okay. <laughs> I, so here's the, here's the funny thing, right? <laughs> cap, so, cap away. yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, right? The Knicks, as I mentioned, one hundred fifty point two six seven million dollars to luxury tax. They're at, I think around 142 million, something along those lines, 142.5 or so. You're thinking, all right, they've got plenty of space. Well, they may not because they have multiple incentives that might actually hit. Julius oh. Randle might make an all-star team. Uh, if the Knicks make the playoffs, Julius Randle, if he plays in the minutes criteria, the games criteria, which he He's would if to. the Knicks make playoffs, that will also convert. Isaiah Hartenstein, he has an incentive that it's likely to hit. Those three incentives are $3.4 million. So before you know it, your limit is at like, if you're wanting to plan ahead, you're actually getting to like 146.8 million, right? That's, that's really the range we want to talk about. So any math that goes in, it's like, well, if the Knicks right now are at 142.5, then they really only have $4.3 million in order to hit that. And they don't want to go above that. Bring in Reggie Bullock. If this is so, there's a there's spot track, which is great, but I think there are a couple inaccuracies there, and there's no trade clause, which is also great, and I'm pretty sure that's the correct one because mine lines up with that. If you traded Cam Reddish for Reggie Bullock, did nothing else, there would be a gap of two hundred and forty five thousand dollars. You would just squeeze in there, but then, of course, there's something that gets in the way. Did you know that Reggie Bullock has a five percent trade kicker? Oh my God. He'd have to waive it. <laughs> He'd have to waive it because if he didn't, the Knicks would then be in the luxury tax, assuming that the incentives hit as well. These are all the things that the Knicks have to think about. And I know a lot of fans are going to be like, well, I don't really care about that, but the Knicks do. Well, and they have you, to, you should, because like, it might influence what trade they end up doing. Exactly. Um, so that's, I bet you he waived so, it. I think he waived. I think what they say to him is, look, we will pick up, the guaranteed portion or the non-guaranteed portion of your contract next year, which is 50% of his contract. Next pretty year. much. Right. Yeah. Like we need you to, to waive this. And I think he would I, like, and I think the Knicks just stop there. And I think they reevaluate everything this off season and they make the moves they need to. They have not been ones to force it during the deadline. They have made simple moves. You know, maybe what they do is they could also do something like, uh, Svi Mikhailuk goes out and they trade for someone who's on another minimum salary, but earns more. So it saves the team more like the, like a team like the Bulls. That's pretty cheap, right? Yeah. Like maybe there's some slight shaving of the payroll that the Bulls want to do that the Knicks can get involved with. Other than that, I think that the Knicks are probably just going to be cool with this one type of move and, uh, and they'll just reassess and they'll view it as we've got another live body that we can get out there. We know can play a lot of minutes. Deuce probably gets squeezed out of the rotation. You've got IQ running point as he should be. He's been phenomenal. And you could still essentially run a nine-man rotation just without Deuce. I My prediction lines up with yours. My, my prediction is that between now and the deadline, they will bring in a player who will take Deuce's rotation spot one way or yeah. another. Um, and they still like Deuce. Fred Katz has been all over that reporting. I believe that reporting, obviously. Um, that they're still high on him um, as an organization, but that I think they feel like they need to replace those minutes with someone who can be provide a, a nice defensive uh, effort, which Deuce does, but maybe he's a little bigger. We've seen Deuce's size just be an issue at times. He's, he's just, you know, his, his size is what it is um, and can do, can be a little bit more consistent. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be kind on the offensive end. And in regards to your, um, 
your Ibaka point. I just had to point that out. Mitchell Robinson, every year of his career, has taken 90% of his shots from within three feet of the hoop. Serge Ibaka, um, had over the really, after you go back past the first like handful of years of his career, he basically takes like 20% of his shots around the hoop every year, which mm-hmm. is like nothing. So, yeah, you're right. It's not the sort of player that the uh, the Knicks would typically put uh, into their offense. Um, defensively, I don't think it's that that hard of a fit, but offensively, he's definitely not the, their sort of cup of tea on offense. Yeah, I think there's just one last thing. I think that um, I'm pretty sure that Hartenstein's worst season in terms of frequency with shots at the rim would still be higher than Ibaka's career high, yeah. <clears throat> which is in line with exactly what you're saying. So, yeah, um, yeah, Ibaka probably don't, don't be don't be running out and buying your Serge Ibaka, New York Knicks jersey, just yet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Stars of the game. Uh, or start, not stars of the game. I'm getting my newsletter confused with the podcast. I do too many things, Jeremy. You do a lot. No <laughs> do a lot of things. <laughs> game ball. We have five candidates. Julius Randle, um, 30, 11, and five this week on 50, 45, 80 shooting. Again, sometimes tough to do these shows immediately after a game where the team or a player performs less than ideally. Randall did not have a great Nets game. He had two unreal games against the Cavs and the Celtics before that. Emmanuel quickly, 14, 15, four, excuse me, 14, five and three this week on. Yes, this is not a mistake. I checked it. I double checked it, Andrew, for you. 55, 58, 25 shooting. <laughs> Because he took four free throws and made one of them. So the last number in that slash line is indeed correct. Um, maybe we'll talk about his his six-man-of-the-year potential. R.J. Barrett, clutch uh, clutch three, clutch free throws. Um, had a really nice game against the Nets. Um, yes, I see that error. Uh, Jericho Sims, 14 big rebounds against the Celtics. And then, of course, the one and only, Benji Ridholtz, an elite debut performance on Thursday's postgame show. What is Andrew? Andrew's typing something, and I can't read it. Yeah. All right, this is, this is me first, right? Yes, it is. <sighs> goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. All right, I killed him earlier in the pod, so I'm going to give it to Julius. Um, those games against Cleveland and, and Boston were incredible. Um, his, his three pointer um, in overtime when they went down five again, I know, I know Julius had a couple of not so great moments down the stretch against Boston, a couple of uh, 24 second shot clock violations that he may have been uh, indirectly or directly responsible for a, a bad turnover. But like, he was a huge part of them being in that game and being in the lead to begin with. And again, that three that he hit to give them a breath of, 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 of give them life um, in overtime. Biggest shot of the game, as far as I'm concerned. I think he's an all star. I think he's going to make the all star team. We'll find out in what, four days. Um, fingers crossed. It would be cool. It'd be cool if he made it. So he gets my game ball for the week. I think that's a very. Solid choice. And I should add, and I, I know you'll agree with me on this, that similar to what we did with uh, DJ Zulo being number one, yes. Benji's number one, 100%. Phenomenal job, Benji. Appreciate you sticking up in there and filling in for John on that one. Wonderful stuff. Mine, I'm going to go with Emmanuel quickly. I knew you were. Well, he's he's the logical choice. He's just been... I love the fact that he's actually getting national attention because... We love Emmanuel quickly as fans. 
it's nice that other people who are maybe not following the Knicks to nearly the level that we all are get to see and understand that no, he's 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 just a really good player who happens to come off the bench. And like if you look at his last 16 games, he's playing 35 minutes a game. And I understand that the Knicks are stretched thin, but he's been really good in those 35 minutes per game. Like Jeremy, I was literally going to pull up his game log. I'm like, man, he's been playing a lot of minutes for a while now and you have mm-hmm. it ready. Look it's, at you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm again. And I know we talked about this before, right? Like I've said, there's a conversation to be had in the off season about moving Emmanuel quickly. There's still a conversation, but boy, that price is so high that no one's going to pay it. And that's fine by me. Because that's just how productive he is. He's he is the heart and soul of the bench right now. And I know that there's some talk of the idea of, well, let's take Quentin Grimes out of the starting lineup, put quickly in there. Look, I I think the way that he comes in and gives new life to a team that's in desperate need of it is so much more important at this moment. And it's not even like, oh, he's got to be. He's like, I don't see him as a starter. No, I do see him as a starter, but I think he's more important to the bench at this very moment in that role. And I know that I like quickly in that role as a, a fun inside thing for, for some people on Twitter. And if you know, you know, I'll just say that I like him in that role at this moment because he's just so lethal off of the bench, not as a, eh, he's good in that role. He could, he could maybe be okay. No, he's great. And I love him. I want to take it back just a few more games. You said 16 games. His last 20 games, in those 20 games, there were eight starts, but over uh, 20, 33 minutes a game in his last 20, 49% from the field, 39% from three on six attempts per game, uh, four rebounds, three and a half assists, uh, only one turnover. Think about that. Three and a half assists to one turnover over those 20 games. Like He does not make mistakes when he's in there. Um, and he's averaging 17 points a game. Um, over that stretch of time, it, it's if he keeps it up, he's going to have to be in like a serious consideration for six man of the year. Um, I don't see any way around that. I agree. Uh, okay, you are up first for detention. Would you like to read the candidates? Sure. Or, I? or you, you can. Uh, I'm happy to read them. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, for however much you blame him for the prevent offense, them not being ready for Bo- Brooklyn or Obi's struggles. Jalen Brunson, for however much you blame him for the prevent offense in Boston. Obi Toppin, for however much you blame him for his struggles. Oh, no, not even a, a caveat, just struggles. Damn, no, just, that's, that's ruthless. All right. And he had, uh, he had a good game. No, against, no, uh, he did. What? Cleveland, right? Yeah. He had, yeah what? He, like he five quick points in each half, I think it was. Yeah. So, I mean, um, took you a while to think of that good game. Huh. Okay, Andrew. That's whatever. He's feisty today. He is. Man, he's really feisty. I mean, he's always um, feisty. He's feistier than usual. That's true. That's true. Uh Quentin Grimes got to hit these three open threes, dude. And then uh the <laughs> what do person, we do with this? <laughs> the, the person who is in charge of the organization who's not Leon Rose is is on this as well. Um the straightest of the straight shots. Yes. I'm going to go with Quentin Grimes, but here's the thing. Ugh. Well, let me, let me, I had a whole thing cause I knew I'd go first. Sorry, so sorry, sorry. let me go through it. I I'm going to put Quentin, Quentin Grimes here. However, I think that the, the blowback from his play has been a little over the top. So I think one thing that people are forgetting, it's not just Quentin Grimes is a second year player. It's that Quentin Grimes is finally he didn't really have the rookie experience that a lot of rookies typically do. You know, it's not like he was in the rotation from day one, gets the opportunity to hit a wall, get around it and hopefully move past it. He's finally doing that. And he's clearly hitting that wall. But for context last year, he first really got into the rotation for the Hawks game on Christmas. So I'm going to take that game all the way up to February 16th, which was against the Nets. The game after that was the first game after the All-Star break against the Heat. He played 14 seconds when he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. I'm excluding that one. From those, the Christmas game to the Nets game that we don't have to rehash what happened there, but he played in 25 games. He was uh, averaging 23.1 minutes per game. 
shooting well, at least from three, um, you know, slashed what? 8.1 points, 2.6 rebounds, 1.3 assists, um, 0.7 turnovers per game. He was showing signs of being a rotation player. Now he's a starter, right? And he slipped defensively. The offense isn't working out this year, right? Let's take when he, it was the uh, Warriors game when the Knicks played in Golden State when he had missed two games earlier. He was really trying to get back into the fold all the way up until yesterday's game against the Nets. He is working at, that's 35 games. He started all but one. And the game he didn't start was the first one against the Warriors. 11.4 11.4 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists, 1.2 turnovers. So I think his assist turnover might be a little bit better, but that's just mental math. Um, still shooting at a good clip. He's better from the field, 44% overall. A um, little bit worse from three point range. I think it's 36% versus what? It was 38. Uh, and in the prior season, it was 41.5% from the floor. Point being that this is a huge chunk of games that he's actually getting to play through and he's playing at some of the best competition and he's matched up with some of the best players on the best competition. Every and night. he's just every single night. Yep. And we can talk about the limitations that his size provides. That is an issue, but I just, I feel the need to stress that this is someone who is really trying to work through a lot of the things that he would have had as a rookie had he not gotten hurt, but now he's healthy. Knock on wood. And now he's trying to do everything he can. And he'll come out the other side because we know he's a good player who's going to take the next step. He's a little erratic when he's driving. You know, as Doris Burke was saying, he's a little too hot when he comes in. He often dumps the ball off to Mitch or to Jericho in that situation. There are things he's going to work on. He's in my doghouse for the week. I'm giving him detention. I think we got to take a a step back and look at the larger picture here and that it really is just a one-week thing for him. He's Granted, he's a case for him to be in the detention a week earlier. But for right now, I just, I feel like there's a lot more to love about his game. He's just mired in the rookie slump. They didn't really get to experience in his rookie year called a sophomore slump. If you will, I think that's a name for something, right? I, I think so. And I'm really, I'm really, really happy you contextualized it and you contextualize it perfectly. It reminds me a lot of the conversation that was happening around Scotty Barnes through or has been happening around Scotty yep. Barnes throughout this year. Seeing that as well. Glad you said it. Yeah, where it's we, like, I'll paraphrase what many people, um, uh, Ace Zulu is one person I know had a, a tweet about this uh, like a couple months ago, and it's it's spot on. But what many people have said, which is that we, we just we have to stop doing this because <laughs> it's like a young player plays well and does some nice things, and you want to praise that young player and you want to foreshadow, like, oh my God, if he's doing these things now, imagine what he's going to be doing in a year or two years or three years. And then it's like, it's not when they take a step back or when they have a week or a couple of weeks, it's like not so great or even longer like a month. That's not so great. The response to that isn't in like, is so over the top because it's not in response to what they were actually ever doing on the floor. It's in response to the conversation that was surrounding. Oh, look what they're guess what they're going to do. So then it's like, you're not, it doesn't feel like you're taking a step back or two steps back. It feels like you're taking eight steps back because of where the conversation had gotten to. And it's just, it's out of whack and we need to like, yes, you phrased it well. We need to settle down. Um, Quentin Grimes is going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. Um, I'll put James Dolan in detention happily. <laughs> <laughs> we could just move on. Sorry, James. Well, there's one thing that he said, and I want to pull up the exact um, wording, but he talked about the direction of the team. Um, which I thought was like it goes to show where he's going to go. I, I, I want to get your thoughts as I look yeah, for sure. the the tweet itself. Um, if you would like. Um, to. By the way, I'm I'm not putting him into detention for anything he said regarding the team or yes. his like. You know, he he again reaffirmed he's he hasn't meddled in a long time. Good job by him. That's not why he's going to detention. Yeah, but I don't need to say so, anything else than that. What he said was, um, and he was, was Boomer, not not Boomer and Carlton. What am I talking about? Evan Robertson, uh, Craig Carlton. He said, I think our expectation should be that the team makes the playoffs. Start with that. It, it's really about, did they get better? Do we build enough this season that in the offseason we can make a move or two and get even better and closer? This was courtesy of New York basketball. I, like To me, this should first and foremost tell anyone who thinks the Knicks are 
looking in the direction or should look in the, well, I don't, I shouldn't say should, because if you view it that way, fine, I just disagree. But the idea that the Knicks would look to move Julius Randle in season for something that won't help them win, this should be all the proof you need that they're not going to do this. No. Um, and I still think it's the right call. Handle your business in the off season. But I, I think it's the sort of thing to be said. And there was something about Tibbs uh, in an earlier tweet as well, where it was like, if the Knicks make the playoffs, then I think Begley talked about this, right? Like the assumption is that Tibbs' job is safe. And I, I saw people being upset with that. And it's like, I don't, I don't know why you would expect him not to be here. The, the whole point for me with Tibbs, again, I still don't think he's the person moving forward. I, I don't think he inflates your ceiling, but he, he raises your floor. And this is what the Knicks are trying to do. They're trying to raise their floor. So why they would basically try to move someone like Randall, why they would expect anything out of Tibbs that's more than they would expect in general. And if they moved Randall, then they'd basically be writing the pink slip for Tibbs anyway, because it's harder for him to do his job. There's a clear direction here, but I, I'm glad that I'm at least glad Dolan talked about this part because this is confirmation. They want to win. They're just not going to do it in a way that's like Chicago or maybe like Minnesota. Although Minnesota has been playing great as of late. Like they're focused on winning on their terms and they're not going to push it. And good job by them for that. Yeah. You know, and I put them in detention, but like good job by James Dolan not forcing them to make a bad trade this summer. I'm not saying that the Donovan Mitchell trade would have been necessarily a bad trade, but like he's staying out of it and that's, that's good job by him. But he said um, he voices his opinion and the next listen, listen, but they don't, right? Which is everything. But they have to that, listen, but they don't have to. Like whatever he said, it's so wild to me that that quote was buried this past week because that is the quote that everyone, every Knicks fan that's worried that Dolan's going to intervene, that the front office doesn't have time, that Dolan's reason that the Knicks don't get free agents, all this stuff. It's it's gone if Dolan says, "No, I really trust the people who are in charge, and I voice my thoughts, but I let them run the show." That's yeah. everything you could want out of what he's doing. Again, none of that is why he's in detention for me. A hundred percent agreed. I, I respect that. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Now we will move on to predictions. Uh, four games this week, all at home. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Shrug emoji. Uh, the Lakers on Tuesday. Dude, Andrew, pop up here for one, one sec. The, the Lakers play in Brooklyn on Monday, am I imagining that? They, they do. do. Okay, so they are coming off a of back-to-back. Huh. Okay. Um, my daughter's very excited about that Laker game. Good Good news. Hopefully, LeBron James is not going to score. Uh, I guess he would have to put up like 50-something or maybe even 60-something against the Nets for, to have a realistic chance against to break the record against us. Can I just say that I'm actually annoyed that he's not going to do it? Why? You have tickets? I do. <laughs> I didn't buy it. Listen, they're season tickets, so it's not like I bought them or anything in anticipation. It was more just like, look, I was blessed to see Curry hit it. It'd be really cool if I could also see LeBron do it, but he'll just do it in uh, in Indiana instead, and the NBA will be really upset about it. So that is, I wonder if I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but like when Kareem broke Wilt's. Like I don't even know what game Kareem broke Wilt's record. Like it's not something that like lives on. I wonder if when he does break this one, if like you know, ten or fifteen years from now, we'll be we'll be we'll remember it well or something. I don't. Neither here nor there. He needs one sixteen to break the record. So if he puts up, I would say uh, he needs to average fifty eight per game over the next. Yeah, day. I'm just trying to think of like what would he need to get against Brooklyn to make me be like, oh. Okay, it's on the table. 70. Because he could do 50 at the Garden. 50 at the Garden is nothing, but like, right. what is the Garden? The Garden scoring record is, is still as mellow as 62. Hmm. So for him to break that 63, if he, he could get over, if he gets over, I'll say this, if he gets over 50 against Brooklyn, it'll be on my radar. I'll just say that. Um, okay. Uh, Lakers, uh, that's Tuesday. Thursday, Miami. Um, the Lakers game is a TNT game, by the way. And then another Friday off, and then we have a weekend back-to-back. Lakers um, on Saturday, not a matinee. That's a night game. Clippers. Clippers. Why did it... LA. I that. I and the, the Lakers LA. graphics there. You're good. Yeah. No, it, I, I'm just getting old. And then the very next day, Sunday, um, Philly. 
who's playing really well right now. That's an ESPN game at six o'clock. <clears throat> I mean, it. <laughs> hmm. So I want to I want to say two and two. If I say two and two, that leaves one and three there for you. Very easy to take one and three for you. If I go one and three, does it put you in a? Do you think about going zero and four? I don't think you would. I think you would go two and two. If I if I took you sure about that. See now you're trying to bait me. No, but I'm also serious. Like Knicks are at home. I, I know. Nationally televised games, playing some intense competition. I no. I would. No, I, I'm not taking zero and four off the table. I don't think you believe the Knicks will lose all four of these games. I just said they'd lose three of them to go on a seven-game losing streak. I have no shame. No, 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 you may not. Um, mm, all right. Be the change you want to see in the world. I'm going two and two. All right. I'm going one and three. Okay. I have a feeling this is going to be the one that... Because I'm within a game right now of 500? Or, or you I'm, are. I'm, yeah, I'm one back. a game away. Okay. Yeah, I, if I uh, this is the turning point. This is the week. If I could get this week, then I think we're in for a real battle down the stretch. If you, if you come out of this, I don't think that's a great sign for me, and I don't think that's a great sign for the Knicks. Would you uh, would you call this a must win for you? For me, Jesus <laughs> oh, Christ! No, it's not a must win. It's never. It's not a must win now, but it's this isn't the Cavs game of uh, of weekly. That's actually a good comp. Yeah. That's a good comp. I, was the Cavs game like really a must win? No, it was no. a must win, but... But y- you could have used it. It was a yeah. would be really nice to have. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree. Um, well, look, we'll see. I I couldn't... I couldn't... I wasn't going to live... I couldn't pick one and three. It's fair. You, I think, would have picked one and three. I probably... I probably would have. Yeah. I guess. I thought you were actually going to go with one and three, but I respect your optimism. And... Part of me hopes every time you take a better record than me, I hope you're right. But then yeah. I also don't. So it's tough. <laughs> Push and pull. The Lakers game is going to be key. Uh, if they drop the Lakers game, I'm going to not be feeling great about this pick. Uh, but uh, we'll see if they could take down LeBron and Anthony Davis in the garden. It'll be a fun game. Big game. Uh, Andrew Claudio, anything we missed? No, not that, that. Or, no, that's it. Okay, great. Thank you. Andrew? Well, there's two announcements. So oh, I guess okay. there is something I missed, but go ahead. No, I don't. What are the two announcements? Uh, playback. You want me old, to make them? I, that's that's why I thought we were going with this. That oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, there we go. Um, sorry, I, I didn't scroll down to the bottom of my Google You're good. I'll get John, John, the tech genius. Um, there are two playbacks this week. Yeah, we're doing a casual Thursday again since there's no there's a game on Thursday, so we're not recording a pod. So the casuals will be back on Thursday night for the Knicks against an entire culture of basketball. <laughs> and then our regular playback for all of our uh, our patrons will be on uh, Tuesday against yes. said Los Angeles Lakers, where we will talk about LeBron and his LeBronness. Um, and then yes. This is exciting. I love the design that you guys came up with. And um, who doesn't want to wear a shirt that says cream on it? Cream shirts are now for sale. Cap rules everything around me. The um, fastest growing uh, niche Knicks podcast segment in the country. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Uh, Own your edition today by where can they click? Link is in the description of both the podcast and on this YouTube video. So there you go. it's right below our faces in the description. Okay. Yes. And I actually have something to uh, to plug as well. Oh. I have an article that is out for the Strickland. Oh. Hey, I, uh, don't okay. call it a comeback. Yes. So I wrote about, as you're listening to this, it should be out today. It's on protected first round picks. I looked at how they're used, how they could be used, that sort of thing. I will be appearing on Stricken Roll to talk about it with Schwinnie Poo. And I just want to say in terms of the article, give a shout out to Alex Wolf and Matthew Miranda 
for their editing and also to Conrad Rothbaum of Nick's Illustrated. He was great in terms of helping me get to the point. This was a labor of love. It's why I actually hate writing. So I always tip my cap to you. I've been saying that way too much in this episode. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that anymore. I applaud you, John, for all the writing you do because I can't stand it. And I so love doing these pods instead because it's like done. So uh, I loved it. The fact that I could just release the world and check it out. And I, I, I enjoyed doing it, even though I hated it. If you too would like to share in what Jeremy releases into the world, order his cream on a t-shirt today. Thank you. Let's, let's let that dead fish I, end the show. Yeah. I wanted to just let it sit there. That's fine. That's See totally goes. fine. Yeah. Your cream sit there. Yes. Oh dear God. You are 12 years old. I like how you said LeBronness, by the way. What, what just, does that mean? Hitting well, it's like penis again. Oh, it's like like he uh, John takes the player and then just added ness to it. It's great. I love it. Yeah, his Johnness. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fine. And, and all that entails. Okay. We can we can now end. Thank you everybody for listening. <laughs> Stay tuned for more fun very soon. Bye bye. Like Denzel in flight. Planning the plane. <laughs> Planning the Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.